It's your opportunity to get in that last-minute gift to yourself and get two free months of Skillshare, the online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative and entrepreneurial skills over at Skillshare.com forward slash T-O-B. That's the words Skillshare.com forward slash T-O-B. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on the show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, we are in the last stretch before Christmas for those who celebrate. And uh, I thought a good topic to bring up around this time of the holidays is a gift that you can give to yourself. And I want to tell you about that gift in the next segment, but it's something that I believe will be one of the greatest gifts. If you're not already doing it for yourself and to yourself, it will be one of the greatest gifts you can ever give to yourself as far as your, you know, self-improvement and emotional evolution your sanity in certain relationships, uh, the way you show up in life in general, because there are going to be situations, challenges in your life that happen that will certainly set you back. And when you give this gift to yourself, you bounce back from the setbacks. And I think that's important. I think it's important to be able to bounce back from the setbacks. And so if you're already doing this, then it won't be a giant surprise. But I have a feeling that sometimes we go through life and we don't realize that we're doing it. And so I know I'm talking about it. I'm not mentioning what it is, but I'm going to share with you some snippets of an email that I got regarding the gift, regarding that gift that you can give to yourself. And then maybe you'll figure it out by the time we get to the next segment. So this is a person that wrote to me a while back and then I responded, uh, I think on the show, I think I created an episode in love and abuse, actually my other podcast, and she's going through an emotionally abusive situation and she wants her husband to be fixed or healed. She wants him to get therapy. She wants him to realize that he's hurting her. It's a valid request. It's a valid suggestion for your relationship when you're being hurt by the person that's supposed to love you and want you to be happy, it's a valid thing to say, I want you to stop hurting me. Will you please get help? Problem comes in is that when we tell somebody what we want them to do, the likelihood that they'll do it, especially when they don't seem to have empathy for you, uh, is minimal. The likelihood is very slim that they will actually want to change because most people that, well, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people that hurt other people 
they do so because it's how they're surviving and how they've learned to survive to keep control in their life, to make their life uh, more comfortable, believe it or not, to make their lives easier. Because if they don't have to address what's going on, the inner turmoil inside of them, then it's so much easier to point the finger at somebody else and say, you're causing me this turmoil, so I don't have a problem, you do. This is what toxic people do. They point the finger at you and say, you're the reason I'm feeling this way. What you're doing is causing these problems, and I'm perfectly fine. Not all toxic people will say those words, but I think you get the picture, is that a toxic person will definitely see you as the problem. And their toxic behavior, their unhealthy behavior, will actually be most of the cause of the problems, typically. But of course, there's the side of enabling as well. When you're in a toxic relationship, you might do behavior that enables their bad behavior. Not that I'm blaming you, but you might be doing things that cause the other person to be allowed to continue doing their thing. It's just like a codependent relationship when there is somebody that wants alcohol and the other person, no matter how upset they get, no matter how mad they get, it doesn't matter. They stick around and clean up after the person that might be breaking things that might not be paying the bills. And what they end up doing is enabling all this behavior and the enabler typically points the finger back at them and says, you're the one causing all these problems because I'm paying the bills, because I'm cleaning up after your messes, because I'm rectifying problems and making peace with relatives while all you do is drink and pass out or you're a jerk in front of family. On and on. And I'm not saying all alcoholics are like that. I'm saying that some alcoholics, like uh, my stepfather when I was younger, were very embarrassing to be around when they were drunk. And, and plus, some don't necessarily take care of themselves or the ones they love because they're kind of lost in that addiction. So, you know, when I talk about alcoholics on the show, I don't mean to put alcoholics down. Those who have become addicted certainly have a challenge. I'm talking about alcoholics that are not functioning very well. Like my stepfather, he was actually a functioning alcoholic. He could pay bills, he could work, he could drive all while drunk. And I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying he could do it. So there are people like that as well. But let me get back to what I was saying about the email. I'm going to read you a few snippets of this email and see if you can figure out what the greatest gift you can give to yourself is. It might take a little bit of reading between the lines, but I don't think much. So um, this woman, she reached out to me through the Love and Abuse podcast and I answered her message on the air. And then uh, she wrote back and said a few more things. And I'm just going to read you what those things are. She said, I would love your thoughts on what should be our goal for couples therapy. Is it for him to realize his behaviors or for him to address his fears or unhappiness? Or maybe it's for me to change how I keep triggering him. Should I change my tone? He needs help. He needs to figure out what is making him unhappy. So those are the only parts of the email I'm going to read. And um, to the person who wrote this, this may not be too easy to hear, but I say this with all love and respect, and I, I absolutely want you to get through this situation and heal and get into a better space. And hopefully our relationship improves. I don't know if it will, but I'm going to do some picking apart a little bit. 
and I'm not picking on you. I'm reading this on the air so that it emphasizes the point I'm going to make in the next segment. And also for anyone else going through something like this, you know, this person in my life has to change. This person in my life has to stop hurting me. This person has to do something or what? And that is a question too. Or what? What will you do if this person doesn't do any of this, any of these things? And so in your email, I didn't read that part, but it said separation's hard, but uh, maybe that's what I need to do. But there's also fear of the next confrontation. So until then, what do I do? So uh, I'm going to, again, go back and read this a line at a time and give you a thought. So your first line is, I would love your thoughts on what should be our goals for couples therapy. When you go to therapy with someone else, I think, in my opinion, the main goal should be to be able to establish honest communication and both are listening and acknowledging and understanding and definitely not invalidating. So when someone shares something that's going on, the other person in the relationship is able to go, so what you're saying is this. And when I say this or do that, it hurts you. That to me is an understanding conversation doesn't often go down like that. Even in my own relationship, I never stop and say, okay, so what you're saying is this. I don't do it that way, but I will listen and I will say something along those lines. So you're saying that I do this, but often not in the the heat of conflict. In the heat of the battle, it's hard to do that, but it is important to at least listen and understand each other so that you don't just fly off the handle every time you get triggered. It's important to get to a point where if you're not communicating and all arguments end up, you know, everyone is angry and no arguments are resolved, then it's important to at least establish a baseline communication. I think that's one of the most important steps to take when it comes to improving a relationship is to make sure that not only are you heard and understood, but you're also listening and trying to understand them as well. And as long as that's taking place, then you can have a conversation or even an argument because both people know that the other person is listening. Now, a subcomponent of listening is empathy. I've said this on Love and Abuse many times. If you don't have empathy, you don't have a relationship. You don't have much of anything because the other person doesn't really care. I mean, I shouldn't say it that way, but what ends up happening is that if the other person hurts you and they don't empathize with the hurt they inflicted upon you, then it can be very difficult to get to a healing place because they don't understand. And if you can't make them understand because they can't empathize, then you don't have a relationship. All you have is somebody that does anything they want and not understand the consequences or not care about the consequences and the other person trying really hard to get them to care. So when the relationship becomes one-sided because of a lack of empathy, that's when you know there's a bigger problem that you probably won't be able to resolve. You can't install empathy. You can't put it in there when it doesn't exist. What I'll hear is, well, he seemed or she seemed so empathetic at first. And if that's the case, if they do have empathy, if you can see empathy in other areas of their life, then you know they're capable of it and it has something specific to do with what's going on now 
in the relationship. And that's something you definitely want to bring up in therapy. So your first question about what should be our goals is being able to establish one-on-one conversations where you both give each other time to talk and the other person is acknowledging that they understand what you're saying. Now, that doesn't mean when you say, hey, you're hurting me, and they say, I hear that I'm hurting you, but I know I'm not. That doesn't count. (laughs) If they say something like that, it doesn't count. What counts is when you say, hey, when you say this, it feels disrespectful, you know, or it hurts me. And they say, okay, my intention wasn't to hurt you, but to whatever, to state my point, And I didn't mean to hurt you. Hopefully that would be the answer. They may, they may still be upset with you. They may still be angry, but to acknowledge that they are hurting you, hopefully it gets followed up with a, and I'm sorry about that. And I don't, I don't mean to hurt you, but if they acknowledge that they're hurting you and they don't follow it up with something like that, or they say that doesn't matter, this is what matters, then you have to focus on the fact that they just passed over one of the most important things to you. Because if you don't feel safe in the relationship, I'm going to assume that's one of your higher values in a relationship is to feel safe. And if it's not, then you probably aren't experiencing this. But if you really want to feel safe in a relationship, you probably aren't feeling safe now. So it's hard to move forward with it. So one of your values is probably wanting to feel safe and they are violating that value. And so you have to remember what you value most in a relationship when it's being violated. Nothing else works. Nothing, nothing else works. Sure, you can do the mechanical stuff. You can do the sex. That might work. But does it fulfill you in every other way? Is it emotionally fulfilling? Do you have these moments of intimacy and then the rest of your relationship is great? Likely not. If you're experiencing problems in your relationship, likely not. So again, ask the therapist the best way to communicate your thoughts, express and convey your pain, your feelings, your emotions, and make it something that is balanced so that the other person does that too. So for the person who wrote this email, her husband would have to do the same thing. And then you add the empathy element as well. Because you have to have it. And talk to the therapist. You know, I just want empathy. I just want him to know what I'm feeling. And when I convey it, I want him to feel bad that he's hurting me. You might have to say something like that. You know, let the therapist guide you there. I don't want to step over anyone's counseling or techniques. But the goal, in my opinion, is after you establish some guidelines for communication, that when you go home and you have arguments or heated conversations or out and out emotional abuse, then when you go back to therapy, you can say, okay, when I did this, the other person did that. I expressed myself and instead of listening, they did this instead. What you're doing is saying, I followed the rules and this other person didn't. And then the therapist will be the one to say, okay, here's the problem. You also need to follow the rules too. Talking to your partner, for example, you need to follow the rules too. And so what you're doing is you're going home with rules. And as long as you are following the rules, then you don't have to put them down for not following the rules. You bring it back to therapy and the therapist says, ah, did you follow the rules? No, I didn't. Well, it won't work unless you do. That's probably what he or she will say. You need to do this if you want to improve your relationship. That's why I say start with communication. What is the best way to communicate what I'm going through, what I feel, and what is the best way to listen, 
And once you establish that, then you'll have some rules, some guidelines, and then you can take them back to therapy and say what worked and what didn't. And as long as you're doing your best to follow the rules, then what didn't work can be discussed. If, if he didn't want to follow the rules and he thought it was stupid, then that would be great to be discussed. But as long as you're following the rules, then that's the best you can do. So that's my thoughts on, on therapy for you. And the next question you have has to do with therapy. You said, you know, I would love your thoughts on what should be our goals for therapy. And you asked, is it for him to realize his behaviors? Well, that would be nice, but I don't think that's the goal for couples therapy, uh, at least for you, because you're asking for you. It would be great if you were asking for him. Like he said, Hey, would you ask Paul? (laughs) That probably won't happen. But uh, you're asking for you, what should I do or should, what should we do in couples therapy? And so is our goal for him to realize his behavior? So what you're doing there is saying, is our goal for him to realize his behavior? And I don't think that's a we goal. That's a he goal that he can choose to pursue or not. Hopefully he does. But that is a he goal, not a we goal. So I would say no. I mean, it would be great. That would be a bonus. But for couples therapy, I would say, no, that would have to be self-realized. And he probably can self-realize it while he's in therapy. He might have an epiphany and go, whoa, I didn't realize I was doing that. Now I understand why you're hurt by that. That would be great. But I don't think that's the main goal. So I'm going to say no to that. Next one is, is it for him to address his fears or unhappiness? Again, I'm going to give you a similar answer. I don't think that's a we goal. I think that's a he goal. He needs to address his own fears and unhappiness in his own way. And hopefully through couples therapy, he realizes there are behaviors that he wants to change. But I don't think that should be a we goal. That's very uh, self-oriented on his side. Your next one is, is it for me to change how I may be triggering him? Okay, so now you're bringing it back. Is it something that I need to do so that I don't trigger him? This is kind of a gray area because it's still you taking responsibility for his behavior. And that rubs me the wrong way. It's like saying every time I go to bed early, my wife gets upset with me and she's angry at me for three days straight. So I should probably go to bed later to make sure I don't trigger her. It's like every time I yawn, My wife gets angry because she yawns too. And then she blames me for yawning. And then the whole family's yawning and everyone's mad at me. (laughs) So I should change my behavior so I don't yawn. Now what I'm doing is setting you up to fail. I'm saying that when you do something that's normal to you, that shouldn't necessarily incite an aggressive response, then Is it really your fault that you're getting an aggressive response? Now, I do believe that there is cause and effect. I do believe that you can be the stimulus for someone's trigger. But why should you take responsibility for their trigger? I could understand being sensitive to their triggers and knowing that, oh, you know, when I scratch my nails down the chalkboard, my partner gets really upset. Absolutely. You could probably tell yourself not to do that. You could probably say, you know, that's probably not the nicest thing to do. So I won't do that anymore. But what about if it's normal behavior? What if you just wake up at 2 a.m. to go to the bathroom and they get upset at you? What if you sneeze while they're reading and they get upset at you? I need you to be really careful because 
as you adjust your behavior to suit someone else so that you don't trigger them all the time, what you end up doing is walking on eggshells. This is what it leads to. You end up walking on eggshells more and more and more until you're afraid to do anything around them because they're, in your eyes, so sensitive to everything you do. Now, this is a little different from an episode I did called the You're Too Sensitive Game because when someone is emotionally abusing you and they don't mind hurting you, they might say things like, oh, you're so sensitive. Why are you so sensitive? Everything I do, you just get mad about. Some people use that as a tactic to make you feel bad, to make you feel guilty. And when they do that, it keeps you in a a submissive place. That's a different thing than what this email is talking about. What she's saying is, maybe I should change something about me so I don't trigger him. So in other words, in order for him to not be angry at you, you should change something that you're doing that probably is nothing that would cause anyone else anger. And so, you know, that's subjective, of course. Any, any kind of behavior could cause someone to be angry. But from your email and from the interaction that we've had before with this person who wrote the email, it doesn't really matter what she does. She really can't do anything right in his eyes. So she's always under pressure to do the right thing. And what she's asking me here is, how else can I change to satisfy him, to make him happy? And there's a point where you just got to stop. You just have to stop changing for someone else. You, you can't do it. I mean, you really shouldn't change for anyone anyway. But, you know, I realize there are compromises in a relationship. Sometimes there are. One person likes rap. One person likes country. They probably can't listen to their favorite music when the other person's around. So they have to compromise. They have to do things. They have to buy headphones or they have to listen in their car. That's normal stuff. Because we're all different. We're not all 100% compatible. So there's going to be normal things that you compromise on. And there's no anger about it. There's no upset around it. It just is what it is. The problem is, is when you compromise and compromise and compromise and everything turns into a sacrifice and suddenly you're in a relationship where you can do nothing right and you're more unhappy than you're ever happy. And so you're in this relationship day after day after day, not sure how to act. When you get to that point, when you're not sure how to act, then it's already going downhill, unfortunately. It's already breaking down. There's a big problem there. You should know after six months, a year, especially years into a relationship, how to be yourself around people. Being yourself should be the easiest thing to do when you're in a healthy relationship. And so to the question, should I change so I stop triggering him? I think there's a point where you get to where compromising and sacrificing has reached its limit. So I don't think so, unless it's something traumatic for him. If he was in the war and you watch military movies all the time and it's bringing him PTSD, that might be something that you develop compassion for and realize, oh, maybe I shouldn't watch these kind of movies in in front of him because he's still working on that. That's a whole lot different than 200 compromises you already made and you shouldn't have to make anymore. There's a point where micromanaging gets really, really old fast And you just won't be happy ever because you're under somebody else's watchful eye all the time. So there's my thought on that. The next thing you asked is, should I change my tone? So this is kind of one of those, what else should I do to change for him? Again, no, you don't want to continue changing for someone else. 
and you can make compromises, but don't make sacrifices. Don't sacrifice your identity. Don't sacrifice who you are and show up as your true self. And if you can't do that, if you don't feel like you can show up as your true self, this is what we're going to talk about in the next segment. This is the gift you give yourself. So if you haven't figured out that gift that you give yourself yet, stick around. We'll be right back and we'll talk about it after this. just realized when I talked about Skillshare last time, I I had an episode a while back where I brought up Skillshare and I told you I was going to check out Instagram and I'm watching actually an Instagram class uh, right now, right before this recording. And I realized what it really means to learn something new. Now, it's nice to get a skill. It's nice to get experience. It's nice to figure something out. If you want to learn how to take better pictures, you want to do creative writing, design, productivity, there's so much to learn on Skillshare. But as I was watching it, I realized it's interesting how any one of us could sign up for Skillshare and watch any course in there at all and know more than one of your friends or family in the subject that you're learning about. Once you figure something out, you know more in that subject and what that does is make you more valuable. You know, I hear from people that uh, have money issues. You know, I'm trying to make money. I'm trying to make more money or somebody else controls all the money in the family. I don't know how many times I've heard that. And I just realized that when you go to Skillshare.com forward slash T-O-B, you can get two months for free. I mean, I didn't realize that part, but I realized that you can have two months to learn something new, know more about a subject matter than someone else. And then be the teacher of that subject matter to someone else if you wanted to. Or maybe it's just for your personal edification. But you can also take classes to learn more, to become an asset, to become someone's teacher. And quite frankly, charge for it if you wanted to because you know more. And of course, you're always learning. You don't know everything. But when you know more than someone else, someone else will want to learn that too. So... I find that very neat as we go into the new year, you know, I'm recording this in December of 2019 and thinking about what we can do in the new year to maybe spice things up, change things up or improve our lives. That could be one of them. Maybe learning a new skill or enhancing an existing skill changes your life. And I've heard this over and over again. I've heard people get into a career or an occupation and then they learn a new skill And they shift that career or occupation and their secondary income starts and becomes their primary income. And again, it doesn't mean that you have to learn a skill to make more money or anything like that because Skillshare covers so much. Whether you're returning to a long time passion project, challenging yourself to get outside your comfort zone or just simply exploring something new, Skillshare has the classes for you. I love Skillshare, I'm using it, and I love the fact that this particular class has very short modules. Like, I don't have time to watch three-hour modules. (laughs) I don't know about the other modules, but I know the one I'm watching now. Very short modules, that's all I have time for, and I can watch one, get some gold nuggets out of it, and then go to the next one when I'm ready. And that really aligns with the time that I have for myself. 
So I want you to check this out. I want you to join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for you, just for the listeners of this show. Go to Skillshare.com forward slash T-O-B, you know, the overwhelmed brain, T-O-B. Again, go to Skillshare.com forward slash T-O-B and you'll get two months free. You'll have unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. I mean, just think about it. In two months, for free, you could pick up a new skill and it would pay for itself. Skillshare.com forward slash T-O-B. Welcome back. This is the moment I tell you the greatest gift you can give yourself, and I hope you already know it. I really do. I hope you already know this because it took me years to figure this out, and I didn't figure it out myself. I had to either read it somewhere or someone had to tell me, and um, if you don't know what this is or you haven't practiced it, it changes your life. It really does because it removes all the drama. It removes all the victimness. If you feel like a victim to the outside world and everything always happens to you, it removes a lot of stuff. That doesn't mean that the outside world isn't at cause for what happens to you. I'm sure there's a lot of causes you can point at and say, oh, well, if that didn't happen, then I wouldn't be where I am today. Absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, At the same time, this gift that you give yourself changes how you respond to what happens to you. And one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself is this. Take responsibility for all the results in your life. All of them. In other words, instead of pointing the finger at anyone else as the cause of the problems in your life, point the finger at yourself. Now, this is a hard one to swallow, especially if you've been the victim of anything, a crime, abuse, anything like that. I I totally get it. And I'm with you. If you feel like I am never going to take responsibility for what he or she did to me, I get it. I'm with you. I mean, I would say that same thing, but the moment you say, I'm going to take responsibility for what I do from this point on is when your life changes, because you can either stay in the past and point the finger at that one person or that those people or that company or that circumstance or that earthquake or whatever happened to you. And you can say, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I am today. And if you do that, what you end up doing is you're stuck in the problem of the past instead of looking at what you can do today. And again, you might have a disability because of something that happened in the past. You might be upset or resentful about something that happened in the past because It completely changed your life and now you're in a worse place. And this is where the perception of what happened gives you an opportunity to change what happens. And when you can perceive an event that happened to you in the past as a stepping stone to something else in your life, your life can change. And again, I know that's probably not easy and maybe you think it's not possible. Somebody out there thinks this is not possible. There's no way I can forgive that person. There's no way I can get past that wrong decision I made. There's no way I can let go of the fact that I let go of that person. I get these emails all the time and I hear the pain and the hurt 
and all the words of, I should have done this, I should have done that, I wish this had happened, I wish this never happened. And so many people find themselves ruminating and obsessing and wishing things were different, and they're not. And it's almost like there's no acceptance of the present so that you can move forward. There's only a regret of the past. And when you're stuck in regret, there's no forward motion. There's no forward momentum. This is why I say that one of the greatest gifts you can give to, give to yourself is to take responsibility for all your results in life. Now, I'm not talking about past results. I mean, we can look at it that way, but the past doesn't matter anymore. The past happened. Now you have what you have left, meaning whatever happened to you, it has left you as you are today. And now is the moment to take responsibility and say, from this point on, this is what I have to work with. This is what you have right now. Right now, this is what you have to work with. And it can only get better as long as you're committed to getting better. And what I mean by that is you might have to learn how to move on. And that can be a huge challenge for some people. You know, I spent most of my life blaming the other person for leaving me. Every relationship that I was in, the other person left me. So I spent a lot of time pointing the finger at them, telling myself there's something wrong with them. They don't know what they're doing or they're missing something or they're not doing the right thing. On and on, I just kept pointing the finger outside myself because there's no way that any of this could be my fault. There's no way because they're leaving me. It would, the evidence to me was clear. That person left me. Therefore, it is their fault for my unhappiness. And that's what I've done most of my life, pointing my finger at other people. So when they do something to me or they do something that affects me, it's their fault that I'm unhappy. And when you set yourself up to fail like this, you will fail. Every time you will fail because people are going to disappoint you. There's no way that someone can always show up 100% of the time and make you happy all the time. That's why it's so important not to make other people or external things your source of happiness. Because when you do and they fail, you end up getting disappointed. That doesn't mean you can't be happy with other people. That doesn't mean you can't be happy in certain circumstances. It just means that when that is your primary energy source, where your happiness comes from, and you have a full reliance on that energy source, and then that energy source goes away, just like the women in my life went away, suddenly I had no source from which to draw. Like I could not find any happiness. I could not find any joy in my life. And because of that, I crashed hard. You crash hard when you have so much reliance on the outside world and you're pointing the finger at those people and those events as the cause for how you feel today and what you have in your life today. When you are so busy pointing the finger outside yourself, you're losing an opportunity to heal. You're losing an opportunity to make your life better, improve it, because you're still stuck there. So with my last relationship, when I was married, I thought that was going to be my final relationship ever. Uh, when she left, when we got a divorce, it was the first time I finally decided to take responsibility for my role in the situation. And this is really where the magic can happen in your life, is that you look at a circumstance where you played a role, even though none of it was your fault. 
Everything that happened happened to you. None of it was your fault. Yet you were involved. You were part of the formula. You were part of the equation. And because you were in the equation, the result that you got was the outcome of that equation. So the equation A plus B equals the outcome. Their A, your B. If you just have A and whatever outcome A has, that outcome doesn't affect you because there's no plus B. So if you're B, A plus B equals the, the outcome. And that gives you the elementary foundation for your role in any situation. And that's a tough one to swallow as well because what can happen is you can say, well, I was walking down the street and someone came up, came up behind me and mugged me. And I had no control over that. And there are worse scenarios I could name and I'm sure you are familiar with. But uh, let's just use that for example. We'll keep it light. I was walking down the street. Someone mugged me. I had no idea they were there. I had no warning. How can I possibly have played a role in that? And you might think, well, maybe it was the way you were dressed. Maybe it was the way you were carrying your wallet or your purse. Uh, maybe it was exposed. Maybe this, maybe that. Sure, th those are easy, convenient things to look at. But I like to go even deeper. This is where some people maybe don't like to go because it implies that you have to have some foreknowledge of what's going to happen. But let's just go with it anyway. Uh, if you weren't on the street that day, you probably wouldn't have gotten mugged. Oh, I know. That's so hard to accept. And I don't even like saying it. But if you weren't on the street that day, you probably wouldn't have gotten mugged. Well, how does that make me responsible? That doesn't really help me at all. Well, what it does is help you understand the equation more. It helps you understand the equation of A plus B equals outcome. A, the mugger on the street, and B, you on that street. You don't know that A exists. You don't know there's, a, there's going to be a mugger that day. But can you, just for the sake of argument, take responsibility that you chose to walk on that street on that day? At that particular time, carrying that particular wallet or purse and wearing those particular shoes that you had trouble running in and on and on and on. Can you get to the point where you take responsibility for that? And you might say, well, yeah, I can take responsibility for that because that's not necessarily part of the crime that happened against me. But sure, I can take responsibility for that. Just by doing that, just by saying that, yes, of course, I take responsibility for choosing that day on that street, but I had no idea that was going to happen. And I agree with you. You, you don't. Unless you have some special powers, you don't know what's going to happen. But you do take responsibility for the steps you take. Every step you take, everything you think, everything you do comes back to you. And putting yourself in different scenarios, for example, going over to someone's house that you know you don't like or that you know you don't get along with, you can't necessarily blame that person for you deciding to go over there, even if you did so reluctantly. Even if you said, oh, I have to do this. You still have to take responsibility for your choice of doing it. So the argument about the mugger on the street that might be something that you had no control over, no predictability about. But what happens when you choose to take responsibility, what happens is you get to keep your power. Because there's a big difference between looking at what happened in the past and feeling angry and resentful 
and maybe even vengeful or hurt or sad. There's a big difference between that and then looking at the past and saying, you know what, I am angry about that, but from this point on, I'm going to use that as my stepping stone. I'm going to use it as a jumping point to start moving forward in my life. The power I lost because I was victimized or whatever back then, I'm going to regain by rebuilding myself. And it's very hard to say that and get into that space if you can't get out of the powerless space of pointing the finger at someone else. They did this to me. They caused this. Even though it's 100% true, I agree. There are probably people in your life that have caused a lot of pain. But you do have a choice to say, that person did this to me, but from now on, I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm not going to let it prevent me from doing the right thing for me. I'm not going to let it prevent me from building up my confidence, building up my self-worth, building up my self-esteem, and moving forward in a direction I know that benefits me. And on top of that, I'm going to gain so much power doing this that no one will ever be able to do that to me again. Ever. I like that concept. I like that thought process. And I heard this from one of my clients recently. She said, I will never, ever let that happen to me again. And I thought, wow, that's power. (laughs) That's conviction. And I love that feeling. If you can get into that space, I will never let that happen to me again. That changes your life. This is what I'm talking about. This is the gift that you give to yourself, is having a conviction so strong that is the opposite of what you were once the victim of. You develop a conviction, you develop a declaration, and you live by a staunch philosophy of whatever the opposite is of what you experienced back then. What this does is is it starts to change your mindset. It starts to change how you show up in life because you're a different person when you're not ruminating. You're a different person when you're not regretting the past or resenting the past. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't be angry about the past. If you're, if there's something that angers you, absolutely. You can go with that and use that anger to propel you forward and do something great for yourself. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be sad about the past or that you shouldn't feel like a victim. Absolutely. If you were victimized, then you were victimized and now you're a survivor and you're going to move forward with it. It does take a lot of work. I understand this too. Sometimes there's a lot of healing that needs to go on. And sometimes you are stuck on the forgiveness part. Like, I can't forgive that person. I I can't do it. And I'm here to say, that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. You don't have to forgive. I don't even believe that you have to forgive most of the time. I think forgiveness is one of those things that you do for yourself. I mean, I've talked about this in other shows, but you forgive yourself a break for how you showed up or what you did or didn't know or what you could or couldn't do. You just give yourself a break. I call it forgive yourself a break. And so to me, forgiveness isn't about letting someone get away with something. Forgiveness isn't about telling them that it's all forgotten and you're moving on. I don't think it necessarily should be about that. It can be for you. If it's that for you, that's fine. But to me, forgiveness is about giving myself a break and moving on. Yeah, I showed up in a certain way at a certain time and I screwed up and I made mistakes or I did nothing wrong and everything that happened was their fault. Yet what I have to do is if I feel any guilt or shame about how I showed up, that's where forgiveness has the most impact. 
because sometimes we'll be victimized when we're younger and we will feel some sort of guilt like we had something to do with it or we feel shame because uh, we should have shown up differently. We should have said something. We should have told someone. When that happens, and I'm talking about some deeper trauma that can happen, especially when you're younger, sometimes we carry around guilt and shame. And that's why I like to focus on forgiveness as being something that you do for yourself. I forgive myself for how I showed up. How could I have known better? There's no way. There's no way you could have ever known better. Let me just give you a break right now. (laughs) There's no way that how whatever happened to you in the past, you could have known better. Because if you could have, you would have. So you couldn't have. Yeah, but I had other choices to make. Yeah, but you would have made that other choice if you had the resources to do so. If you had the knowledge, if you had the wherewithal or the foretelling, you you didn't have any of that. So I'm giving you a break. (laughs) You don't need my, you don't need my forgiveness. I'm just telling you, forgive yourself a break too. You don't need to carry this stuff around anymore. You didn't know what you didn't know and you don't know what you don't know. You're going to make mistakes today and in the future. And then later on, you're going to go, oh, I should have done this and I should have done that. And it doesn't matter because you didn't and you wouldn't because you're going to make the same decisions had you had the same experience and the same background and the same history leading up to that point. So give yourself a break and uh, this allows you to move on. Give yourself the greatest gift you can give yourself or one of the greatest gifts and take responsibility for all the results in your life. And remember, it's not about taking responsibility for what someone did to you or for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Although if you do that, you're probably the Buddha on the mountain now. (laughs) But if you can get to that, that's great. But my goal in my life, and I hope it's your goal as well, is to take responsibility for what happens next. I just love that thought. I'm going to take responsibility for what happens next or what I do next, my next steps. I've heard from so many people saying, I can't do it because of what happened to me in the past. And then I look at what they're doing and they spend most of their time telling me how bad their life is now because of something that happened in the past. And I'm not downplaying that. I'm not trying to minimize it or invalidate it. I absolutely hear you and I sympathize. I absolutely do. But don't let that stop you. Don't let that stop you from improving yourself in some way or moving in a direction that is completely the opposite of what you were victim to in the past. You might have to push the pendulum. You might have to swing it to the other side manually, and it might take a lot of energy to do it, but you have to do it. You have to take responsibility for it. You take the steps today that change your tomorrow. Because you know that your life changes when you change it or your life improves when you improve it and relying on anyone else to do that for you, it can work and sometimes does work, but you end up waiting a really long time until they're ready. You can't always wait until someone else is ready. You can't because you might be waiting 20 years. My mom waited over 40 years for my stepfather to be ready to get out of the relationship. And she wanted it to end 39 years previous. <laughs> she, wanted, she wanted him to go away. She hated him from day two, <laughs> I think. I'm exaggerating, but not by much. She hated that man. It'd be interesting if he was listening now, but this is not confidential information. He actually knows this. Uh, but she waited. She just waited for someone else to change so that her life would change. And when you do that, you end up waiting. I mean, that's what life becomes. 
And that's when you look at your past and say, I wish I had never done that. I wish things would change today. I wish uh, he or she would change their mind or see that they're doing something wrong to me or hurting me. On and on, you just continue looking outside yourself, pointing the finger at the world that's against you instead of pointing the finger at yourself, asking yourself, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do about this? If I have a problem with how this person behaves, how am I going to change things? How am I going to do things differently? What am I going to do that changes my life? And the next thought is, but it's so scary. It's so hard to change. It's so hard to make a move in that direction that benefits me, that shows that I love myself. And my response to that is absolutely yes. (laughs) It is. It is the leap of faith into a dark chasm where you think you're going to die. I mean, that's kind of a worst case scenario, but sometimes it feels that way. I have to make this decision for myself. That's like leaping into an endless dark chasm. I don't even know if I'm going to live. And when I walk up to those chasms and I look into the dark and I see that there's no end in sight, and then I look behind me and see the life I've lived, I have to weigh my options and ask myself, is this the life I want to continue living? Or do I want to jump into this chasm and see where it goes? It's not easy. It is absolutely a leap of faith uh, most of the time. And sometimes you just take the leap. I mean, if you're experiencing a not so great life right now, I mean, if your life is great, then, you know, certainly you don't have to take all these leaps of faith. But uh, I'm just talking about if you're in a situation where you just feel like you can't get out of it and the past is always haunting you and you just can't get anywhere and you can't get away from these people and everything is so toxic and the world does this to me if you have this philosophy. I think it might be time to just take a big leap and say, you know what, that's it. I'm done being the victim to the world. I'm going to lead my own life. I'm going to forge this new path and move in a direction that empowers me because I want my power back. I want you to have your power back. I hope this has been helpful to you. This is a bit more of a motivational episode than I normally do usually on the practical side, but uh, I think it's important to be motivated as we go into the new year and figure things out for ourselves and make sure that we're doing the right things for ourselves and make sure that we know that in order to change the formula, we have to change ourselves. And if we change ourselves or improve ourselves, work on ourselves, whatever we can do for ourselves, it changes our outcome. I appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back. I'll say some goodbyes and my thank yous right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you, if you want to change or improve your life, head over to Skillshare. Go to Skillshare.com forward slash T-O-B and get two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. That's Skillshare.com forward slash T-O-B. I want to thank those of you in the patron program over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. I've mentioned it before. There's a new website that's being built so that you can find things easier and things will be hopefully categorized. And there's a lot of content on that site. That's why we're rebuilding it. But I want to thank those who have joined the patron program and are supporting the show and also getting all the extras over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. 
And let me tell you about two websites, quietbegins.com. That's the link to the program that helps you with anxiety if you're dealing with that over at Quiet Begins. And if you're having trouble in your relationship, if your relationship's a little too difficult to deal with, or you're dealing with difficult family members, especially around the holidays and all the gatherings, head over to Love and Abuse. It's all about how people are supposed to treat each other, and they're not. (laughs) They're not treating each other in an emotionally healthy way. They're treating each other in an emotionally abusive way, and there's lots of ways to define that. So head over to loveandabuse.com. And check out that show. It might be just what you need to deal with that one difficult or many difficult people. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And I'm going to be honest with you. I never really liked the concept of you taking responsibility for your role (laughs) or me taking responsibility for my role. I'll speak for myself. I never liked that concept. Because that meant that I had control where I thought I didn't. I mean, let me put it another way. I thought it was BS that I had a role in certain situations because they happened and I just happened to be a victim to what happened or a part of what happened. And just because I was at that place at the right time or the wrong time, that I didn't really play a role at all. I mean, why would I take responsibility for something that happened to me? Especially when what happened to me was completely out of my control. I didn't like it. I still don't like it. (laughs) I still don't like the idea. But what happens today, what I do today, is I try to recognize every little component of ownership I can take. So I'll look at something in my past. And even like when I was four, like when my stepfather held me down and he was rubbing my underwear in my face at four years old he's abusing me i had absolutely no control i was completely under his power his dominance and the weight of his body too i could not move and if you've never heard that i'm okay i mean i did a lot of healing from that but that's what happened that's what happened in my life and i can look at that past and say i had no responsibility for that because i was a kid i knew nothing but what happens is what components can I take from it that I can own? Well, one component, and this is very Viktor Frankl kind of thinking, which is good. The book Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl wrote it. Um, I look at that and say, well, you know what? He was overpowering me. He was abusing me, but I still had me. I still had my mind. I still had my emotions. I still had my thoughts. I still had the moments before he held me down. I still have the moments after he held me down. At that time, I still had the ability to get through that situation. So I take ownership of the little things to remind myself that I didn't lose all my power that day. I didn't lose it. And whatever happened to you, you didn't lose all your power that day. You still have a lot of what you had then and you took it with you. And you probably took a lot more with you, some good, some bad, but what you take with you, you amplify. So you want to amplify the good so that you can start moving away from what feels bad, from what you may feel victim to, from what you may resent or hate or regret. You take what's good that you held onto throughout that time, you bring it with you, and then you use it as your energy to move forward to make the leap, to heal yourself, to move in a direction 
that is right for you. I spent a lot of years believing that a lot, if not all my power was taken that day. I became the ultimate people pleaser. I became highly critical and judgmental of others. It was like his mentality rubbed off on me and I was critical of others. And so whatever was left of me was replaced. That's what it felt like. But then I remembered, no, not all of me was taken that day. Not all of my power. It felt like all of it, but no, it wasn't. You didn't lose your power. Whatever happened in your past, whatever you're holding on to, you just have to remind yourself every now and then that it is there. And this is the moment you turn that finger around pointing at someone else and point it at yourself, not to blame, not to accuse, but to say, you know what? I take responsibility for my life from this point on. That doesn't mean other people can't care for you, can't be happy for you, can't give you things, can't offer you a better life. That doesn't mean any of that. It just means when it comes down to the deepest emotional and maybe spiritual core inside of you, you take responsibility for that. In order for what's inside me at the deepest level, in order for it to learn, heal, grow, and evolve, I take responsibility for that happening today. And if you still have trouble with that concept, all I'm asking is you keep an open mind. This will help you step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.